for joining us for this week's chapter of Not in the Textbooks podcast, where we sit and chat about the nitty-gritty never discussed in any of your textbooks. I'm Tanja. And I'm Audra. But before we dig into today's chapter, let's clear up some business. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. The views within are our own or are our guests' own. They do not reflect our profession, their profession, or any entity with whom we may have connections for employment now, in the past, or even in the future. If you need medical attention, advice, or care, please seek your own personal medical practitioner, not our podcast. We hope you enjoy. Hello, Tanja. Well, hello. And how are you? I am freaking wonderful. How are you? Super fantastic, as every week I am. Yes. And this week, we have, oh, look, right on cue. Jordan, would you hey. like to say hello? Yes. Oh, good question, Jordan. So we have a guest, one of one of the nurses in this field whom I am honored to call a colleague, um, no pressure, one of the most effective and brilliant communicators I've ever encountered in my life. Um, I and she abs- did say that before she hit record, by the way. So I did. That, I <laughs> this do is believe a real she thing. said that because she feels it, not because we're recording. Exactly. <laughs> I did say that before. Um, we have Jessica on with us. Jordan, come here and say hello to Jessica. Oh, you need, yeah, you can't hear. Yeah, he's got to hear. Say hello. Let's go. Hi, Jordan. I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got a kind heart, buddy. He's got the biggest one ever. Doesn't he? Yes. He really does. I okay. learned from you. We all do, if yeah. we're lucky. Okay, you go on. We're going to record. Thank you for coming in and saying hello. Well, I'll talk to you later about what it's about. Go on, kiddo. So, Jessica, would you like to? He's so funny. I so love him. I know. He was like, there's going to be a guest and now she's talking. I'm coming to say hi. And then he lingers around just for a little bit. Just like in the corner, like, Uh can I maybe? Uh I'll change my mind. Oh, look, I have my very own. Look, see, I told you this is what happens. Jessica, say hi. Hello, buddy. You guys can't see. This is not a visual medium, but we have little children peeking their heads around her shoulder. Uh-huh. I told you the chewable layer. Okay. And then okay. my son has brought the cat in. This is why it's called not in the textbooks podcast. Remember when you were worried about it being off the cuff, this gets yeah. turned into a circus. <laughs> I need to add, I'll go get my chickens and the exactly. dog. And the dog. And, and, go. Yeah. And, and we'll have our kids. party. And the feeding Jeff. pump. Poor yeah. mischief. Be like our home Poor Justinian mischief holster. Yes. Go take him away <sighs> and go, go hide yourself. He says hello. Uh-huh. All right. Now back to Jessica, introduce yourself to the lovely people. Now that we've come through chaos. Now that we've one. joined the family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm right apart. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica's on. I'm a nurse. I've been a nurse for, I don't know. I can't math since 2005 mm-hmm. and I've been in healthcare since 2003. And, um, I'm really good at death and crisis. And um, I was thinking this weekend in particular about 
what it is that I'm good at because I'm a director in the organization that I work for now, which have you ever heard the line people get promoted to the level of the highest level of their incompetence? <laughs> I <laughs> are you I'm, feeling that? Oh, I'm no. desperately worried that that is true. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking oh, about I doubt that. Um, Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I do have some pretty particular skill sets and I was thinking about what they are because some of them are um, not about like figuring out the minutia of how people should do a job. I'm really yes. good at moving people. Um, I'm really good at walking them through emotional journeys that they were on anyway, but maybe they hadn't had the time to acknowledge or engage or invest in. And um, I'm not exactly where the niche is for that in the traditional like director business model, but hopefully we've found it because um, I, I can I can use that skill and I can I can do a lot of good with that. Um, and I'm hoping that that doesn't leave my rear end hanging in other places where I need to be a good leader for people. <laughs> I highly doubt it will be, but I, I understand what you're meaning. I mean, honestly, yes. it's it's tough. So. Um, anyway, I'm very happy that you are here. We, um, we connected at, um, your, one of your previous positions and jobs in a different, um, ministry or a different, I don't even want to call it that a different, um, yeah, what's the word group we were at, you were at a different place. How about that? That's just simple. You were in a different place. There you go. Yeah. Mm. And we did, let's talk about death, baby. We did the end of life consortium together, which I butchered, um, but not true. You, but we, but you, you and I connected on that level of like, we have, you know, that I have trauma. You have, everybody carries trauma. Everybody has right. trauma. And I think that people who have gone to some of the most dark, deep places in this world, come out on the other side, either shattered or really, really strangely comfortable going right back into those shadows with other people and saying, this is the way out of hell. Yes. It's this direction. Hell, yep. the light is this way. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Come on. Um, and I think we share that love and passion and all those bruises that come with that, all that destruction that it does to you, even because you have to pour your soul into other people. And then that creates space where you have to fill yours back up. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of how we're connected. So Tanja's getting to meet you for the first time, but I'm, and so are our listeners, but I'm extremely, extremely excited about it. So we will jump into our non-medical stuff and then we'll go into what you exactly do and what you want to talk about. Um, so good, bad, and ugly. Jessica, you want to go first as our guest, or would you like to go last? It's dealer's choice. You get to pick. I'm going to let you guys carve the path, and then I'll figure out if I even want to traverse it. Okay, that sounds very good. Tanja, give me your good, bad, and okay. okay. Okay, my good was um, I didn't get in trouble this week. Is it good? First, yeah, that, that's my good, that I didn't get in trouble. Um because my wound report is not up to date this week like Whoops. it was last. Um, uh, my other good, oh, I was asked to go to a sister community to be with that wound nurse to, yeah, I know. See, I had that same look when they chose me. Yes, we're ignoring the ghosts in my house. I love him. I love your little, that's <laughs> popping up on a different side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um 
And uh, so I was asked to go to a sister facility to uh, do a little consult work with the wound nurse there at another facility. Uh, and that was good because I really didn't feel that I was doing that well of a job to be asked mm. to go give some ideas and some uh, training to a fellow coworker. Uh, but once I got there, I realized why. Um, and so, so yeah. it worked, it works out that um, that was not my one and only visit to that sister facility that uh, I am going to go weekly for four weeks. Okay. And then, and then she will then take a visit to my building so she can see how my day flows and, and those kinds of things. So that was good. Um, my bad. Oh, and the other good was I got paid. Oh, that's good. To be out of my building. That's that was like, nice. <laughs> that's nice. Like here, we're going to pay you for the day to go somewhere else. And that was great. Um, I'm thinking it was probably a holiday for them as well. My bad. Well, I mean, how could I have bad in a week like this? Because really, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, how could there That's be a bad? little cherub jumping around? Yes. So full of joy tonight. Um, the bad is that we, we had to switch banks. Oh no. Because the ugly is that there have been fraudulent charges to our account. Mm. like every day we're calling on something for the last yes you know Audra for the last even before I even mentioned it to you so yeah. way back since we went to the bank to talk to them about uh, a mortgage loan mm -hmm. and we never we never even met with an actual mortgage lender but then our card got canceled our debit card in the I whole thing that. and it's just yeah. It's just been an atrocity of issues and problems since. And mm -hmm. so the ugly was that, you know, our account has been hacked numerous, numerous times. And the advice that the bank gave was for us to, huh, this is really strange. So maybe I'll just close out this account and open up a new one. And we went, you're right, we're going to do exactly that, just not in this for say bank. So that's kind of how my week was. So hopefully um, it's on, it's on the mend now. I hope so too, because woof, yeesh. Yeah, that's never any fun. And everything, you know, when you're with your bank account, everything you've got, automatic debits you've got all of that that's already set up yeah you have to set now, it up with a new place Ugh, and now yeah, that's at ugly. least at least when they cancel your card and issue a new one you just have to change the card information because your banking routing and checking number stays the same yeah mm -hmm. but we had to change all of that because somehow someone which i don't understand how that works they actually got our routing number and tried to do an electronic check, which was one number after like the last check that we wrote. That's oh. very odd. And my thing was, was that we only write checks to certain bills. It almost sounds so, like somebody at the bank 
Thank you. That's what I said. And I asked, how do you have people that still work from home doing banking business from home? Your firewall in your home is not Mm. going to be as secure as it's going to be inside the bank. So how can any financing people have the ability to work from home? How Mm. else would they getting your card number, stuff like that? If you order online, yes, we stopped all of that Mm -hmm. um, and only used kept one account um, for those items Mm -hmm. none of that that none of that was hacked the final thing was that yes they actually had our routing and our checking number and tried to draw an electronic uh, check so that that was the final straw there but hey if that was the worst week I had you know so be it and luckily, the bank, you know, has turned all of those uh, fraudulent charges back around, you know, so we mm. really didn't, we really didn't lose a whole lot. It's just the stressor of all of it involved. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The time consumption, like just, yeah, <laughs> it's just been, yeah. So tell me what has been your uh, good, bad, and ugly of your week? Um, the good is that, um, well, let's see, my yard guy came. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Oh, good. you got a yard guy dude i've got a yard guy because my lawnmower broke is that like having a pool boy no it's not even anywhere <laughs> remotely near having a pool oh. boy <laughs> well don't feel um, bad my pool boy and my lawn guy he's the same guy yeah 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 and you already <laughs> committed to that so you're stuck um my yeah, the, the lawn reminder yeah no, i'm kidding I'm <laughs> the the lawn guy showed up and there's something about your grass like when you come home from work and you come oh, around the corner yes. and the lawn is like freshly cut it's like mm-hmm. i um, love the smell of fresh cut grass oh well my it's gosh. more like fresh weeds at my house so there's that same thing hey yeah, same thing all the same so yeah um it has been a really 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 rough rough week i've not had a week this complicated and emotional in a very long time. So um, my friend for millions of years, hi, Julie, if you're listening, um, her, I I waited tables with her when I was in high school two days ago, because that's when I was in high school. Um, Right. I thought you just graduated, right? I I, I did. Okay. So I mean, like yesterday, I was waiting tables with her Mm -hmm. at Pioneer Pies. I thought doesn't even exist in the state anymore <laughs> it's gone the owner is dead it's sad hey we, um, we could have let the listeners figure that out for themselves okay they they know I'm lying because I, yeah anyway so we've known each other for way long 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 time long long longest friend that I've had um aside from Kinley who died from breast cancer that you know, we were forced to be friends because our parents were friends. So one of the longest friends that I've actually had, um, it it made that wasn't like you went to my school that I made it work, you know, longest work friend. Right. And, um, she's a PA now her father had Parkinson's and Louis developed Louis bodies and he passed away this Mm -hmm. last week and his funeral was this week. And then, um, my friend Kinley, her dad, um, had uh we talked about that when that all happened and he passed away he had the um leo and so and he passed away they've all given me permission to speak about it so we're not hipaa violating don't direct we're doing it right without their permission yeah we are i totally was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna hipaa violate um but anyway so they 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 did um 
it's all public knowledge anyway. Um, so anyway, they, they, their, his memorial was today. <laughs> and so that's the ugly is I have ugly cried this week. And I've also called my dad and said, you are not allowed to die um, ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've had two friends who's, you know, parents who had their memorial services. And I'm like, this is too seriously close to home for me, but we all know that my dad is going to die. Um, and this is the way it works. So, um, we've handled our conversations, you know, and had, right. It's, it's, it's a whole different thing when you know what you know. So that's been my good, bad, and really, really, really ugly. Um, the other good but, that I had work work related good circle back because I like to end on high notes is that I did get to go to the Yukon office this week and do fit testing out there, um, cool. which was nice because, you know, people who live in Tuttle and Cushing and I mean, you know, you know, like you don't want to have to All come of those areas Kingfisher, yes. you don't want to have to come they to get city. what it's, they need and they get the services that they need. That is it was, important. It's yeah. part of filling us back up getting mm-hmm. you know it's hard to do the job that we're expected to do the way that we're expected to do it and then not be given the proper resources exactly. or not or not be able to reach those resources and those resources be within our grasp or or made anything that I can do to help our field staff make it a little easier because this process was a little yes, complex that's what I'm coming saying. out yeah yeah, yeah coming out of COVID saying. You know, it was a complex process to get a comprehensive fit testing done. And then for them to have to drive, I was just like, let me just come to you. So it was nice. It was a, it was a good, everyone was ecstatic. And that's always a nice thing when you do well for people. And it turns out to be a good thing, you know, it's like, yes, right. Yeah. Anyway, Jessica, would you like to good, bad and ugly with us or shall we move on? It's your, again, dealer's choice. I'll take that risk. (laughs) Um, so my good, I, um, will be getting to share about my work and my passion on the news, the local news on Monday. So I was asked to do that. And then also some work that I've done for our institution, redesigning our medical record around, uh, healthcare decisions and advanced care planning. I got to submit a proposal to share on that nationally, which would be, Um, just an amazing opportunity because some of the things that come out of that uh, have impacts on how this particular medical record is used around the country. So it's one of those opportunities to like kind of leave a little dent in the world if it happens. So Um, may I, may I interrupt and just say, is it, (laughs) um, is it in relation to like, you know, we're adding value-based purchasing you know, to mm-hmm. certain things. And so then part of that value-based purchasing includes social determinants of health and advanced care planning. Am I, am I on the right track as they're filtering those things in, they're including and incorporating this? Yeah. Is that the um, thought? I think that uh, value-based care and um, some of the changes with CMS have paved the way for me to get into the work that I've always loved doing. Okay. Um, and getting to kind of grow in that, but I am, I've built a place in the medical record for an advanced care planning script that I wrote. The one that I've seen. Us, yeah. And then, okay. yeah, it allows us to um, actually 
free text in our patient's answers. So my, my goal is to subvert a tool that was meant for like lab values and billing codes and turn it into um, a recording of our patient's voice in a sense. It's beautiful. You know, taking it out of the dot phrase in the bullet points kind of space and into the narrative space where our patients are invited to give free text answers to questions like, how would you define quality of life? Um, what experiences have you had that have taught you about how you want your healthcare to go? Those mm -hmm. kinds of questions. And it's messy, of course, to take a, a tool that was meant for discrete fields and turn them into narrative fields, but um, it's... It's it individualizes it though and takes the cookie cutter out of it. Exactly. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Which is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be individualizing our care, not right. cookie cutter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so we've standardized the script. The script mm -hmm. is the the cookie cutter, but You're then right. the patient gets to decide: Do I put chocolate chips in that dough, or do I not? Yes. Do I you put know, sprinkles right? on it, or do I not? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it, I've gotten oh god, I could already start nerding out about this stuff because um, I've gotten to see how the flexibility that I designed into the script can be. Um, it can be anything it needs to be for any patient situation that it needs to, to encounter. Mm -hmm. So when you mentioned social determinants of health, uh, one time I was talking to a patient about the script and I got to the place where I asked what quality of life means to him. And this patient is homeless. And, mm. you know, he's a in-stage renal disease patient who doesn't mm. have a home. He was found down in the apartment that he was staying overnight in and brought to the hospital, nearly died, recovers miraculously. And now the nephrologist wants to put a permacath in him so that we can send him home, quote, air quotations, um, on hemodialysis. And, um, you know, obviously we are in the business of all kinds of things that we can do, but we often forget to ask, is it one, desirable, and two, is it even possible? So sometimes even if somebody desires yeah. something, it may not be possible because right. dude's here because nobody was there to find him and to help mm -hmm. him care for himself. And now we want right. to send them home to uh, no mm -hmm. roof, no uh, infection control, no driver, no car. You know, wow. we've just, mm -hmm. we've, we've provided a route for infection as well as a way for right. his kidneys to fail. <laughs> and so I yeah. came to the and question no one about- to be able to find him in right. time next time mm -hmm. right yeah no guarantees of any kind and so so yes, we fail. can do this thing but does can and should I mean those are important ethical questions so I asked him what quality of life means and it was it was a hard-hitting moment because he looked at me like WTF yeah <laughs> <laughs> right uh, yeah he yeah. goes well you know I would have to say having a roof over my head and it was the total Maslow's moment, you know, and mm -hmm. that's, yeah. that's what yes. I created the script to be able to hold on to is that um, somebody can say, like, you may be looking at the rainbows and the unicorns. I'm just trying to figure out where I'm going to sleep tonight. He said, right. a roof over my head and a blanket yep. to put over my body. Yeah. I was like, wow. And I typed it in verbatim mm -hmm. because right. what do I want? I want those providers to go back and read this man's voice and hear his story from his side, right. because it's not just about the next medical intervention. It's about the overall trajectory of what's possible for him 
what's possible for his body, what's possible for his circumstances. And by the way, what does he want? Right. Right. And that's really tough to ask because sometimes they want stuff and we still have to be like, oh, so, yeah, you know. May what, want that, but it's path. not exactly what you need, and it's not realistic or attainable, and all of those things, you know. But mm-hmm. okay, so I'm sorry, did not mean to, I did, but didn't mean to. We got off track there. So good, those are all brilliantly good. Those that makes me fantastic. Happy. No yes. kidding. Wow. <laughs> so, any other goods? <laughs> um, it's possible we'll think of them later. Um, <laughs> we always come back. That's how it works. To. Yes. <laughs> right. Any uh, bad and ugly? It had a bad cold this week, which is why I sound just slightly twangy tonight. <laughs> um, I could get my, my country going on real good right now. <laughs> Give me a banjo. Um, and then ugly, I have a uh, exceptionally precious and beloved person in my life uh, who um, is deeply struggling with their mental health and um ended up hospitalized for that over the course of the last couple of weeks and they're having um ongoing medical as well as mental health issues and um if you see me those of you who are listening won't see this but those of the two of you will see that i may be looking down because that is actually playing out in real time right now there Mm. at the er um and I, you know, being a nurse, I hate it mm-hmm. when people are like, oh, you're not a nurse here, honey. You just need to be the blah, blah, blah. Like when it's my daughter at the hospital, you just need to be the mom. That, F that. Yeah, I'm still a nurse be. too. Yeah. yeah. We I can't compartmentalize can't that part. No. You can't forget your training. No, that, no. Hat stays, that hat stays on all the time. And unfortunately, it also stays on so that we're making sure that, yes, the knowledge that we have yes we're we're using that for the good of our families as well yes being that voice and advocate that got us here to be right and let me just hard just for strangers i want it to benefit (laughs) myself and my partner and because i've saved my daughter's life three times Mm. you know um by not taking off the nurse hat the nurse hat yes and usually the people the people you know i have actually been uh in that position um and i don't always have the best uh (laughs) self-control and uh sometimes i do uh forget to release that pressure cooker and um i have turned around and said would you be able to do the same thing that you're asking of me if it was your family member here Mm -hmm. and usually you get that look like you're the crazy person now but it does make them stop and pause for a minute to go okay wait would I you know right. you're right you're right so flip the script okay remember I'm human too and no I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna be an advocate and that we're heard yeah Jessica if you need to reschedule with us you can yes, you need to we, jump off jump at off. any point we understand okay. 100 percent yes please yeah we can i appreciate that i want to say that there are some um other i'm not, not going to say bad and ugly but um, intensely hard things that are happening and um this when you texted me audra this was a way for me to sit in my voice 
and get to use it. And I'm, I'm actively um, tempering my voice in another situation right now because that's what my wisdom, my internal wisdom says is the thing to do. Okay. But this is a way for me to live in my voice and um, get to bring it out. And so um, while I have right now, I'd like to use right now. All right, and let's do it. we appreciate that. And Seriously. thank you so that, yes. I, and I understand exactly where you're coming from because when you have to temper your voice, especially for those of us who have oh, um, hard. personalities, I was gonna say big, <laughs> large personalities of sorts um, and and use our voices, know how to and learn mm-hmm. how to. We have very different styles, the three of us, but we all have those big personalities and voices and we use them in different ways. Um, it's hard when you can't live in that authentic, like the things I want to say right now, I can't mm-hmm. bring right. that back in, sometimes stepping into another arena and allowing it to come out, it does help. So as long as this is helpful and good for you, whatever, if you just, even if you just disappear, we will carry on and we will understand. So just, you know, you don't even have to do a warning. You can just be like, and out. (laughs) So um, you're talking about the funerals um, with my friend's fathers. and my father, you know, we talked about, he has already made his wishes well-known. Um, I'm second proxy um, for a while when his, um, my stepmother, my first stepmother passed away, I was first proxy. So we had really in-depth, you know, oh, you, you put me, we're going to talk about this, you know, hmm. so how exactly do you want now? What if you, what if it's temporary? Do you still, do you do? And even in that conversation and knowing precisely what he wanted when we went into the hospital and he had an elevated troponin, it was the most uneventful in STEMI in the history of in STEMIs. He had a heart attack <laughs> and he was driving in the golf cart with my son. <laughs> like it was and my daughter, my son was driving and he did that first before we went to the hospital, the heart hospital, because he told my son that he could drive the golf cart first. And if he dropped dead, in the golf cart while driving my son because he made the promise to him that that was what then so be it he was fine with you know what I'm saying like that's yeah. right because he promised him he was like he's the he's priority committed. I would have yeah I'm keeping my word and so you know I still have visions of my son driving the golf cart down a hill going <laughs> and my daughter snapped a picture and I was like, oh, look, there's a picture of my dad having a heart attack. Oh, <laughs> look, no. oh, look like, dad. Not precious. Exactly. Right. You know, and you can't tell because it was a really uneventful, but it was a widow maker on top of it. Yes. You know, his LID was 90% occluded. Oh, okay. You were trying to wake up dad. Um, and when we went into the hospital and they were like, are you, you know, what's your code status? And he's like, I'm a DNR. And I'm like, no, 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 no not here. You know. It was hard. So while we're about to delve into this conversation, trust and know it's hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I get that it's hard because when it was my dad and I live in the darkness and the death and the dying 20 years of that stuff, it was still hard for me to be like, yeah, he's a DNR. Wait, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. (laughs) So it's because we become selfish no and we're thinking more it's hard for us 
to let go, to know that do not resuscitate. We know as nurses that that means that, yes, we're going to let nature take its course. And we right. know what what that entails, you know, sure, we, we, but know, we know both sides. And, and I wouldn't have really wanted hard. him. I'm thinking what I really thought was he's having a heart attack. If he codes and he's a DNR, they're not even going to do CPR on him. Well, right. I want them to try. I want that, you know, but then I'm thinking but that's not what he not wants. About I, it's not but, right. But at the I same know, time, I know. and I'm just like, but then does that mean do not treat? No, of course they're going to do the stent. They're going to do, and they did. But in my head for just a second, I was like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, hold whoa, on. Whoa. We're having a heart attack. I want you to be, I want some CPR. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I don't know how you would like to, Oh, there's my okay, question. so into the program. I was going to say, with that yeah. being said, let's talk about. Okay, Jessica, um, what what would you like to talk about and tell and share um, all of your knowledge? What what would you like to share about what we're kind of talking about about? Um, at that point, making those decisions and, and those, those really hard conversations. And this, in this lovely program in this, that is in this amazing. program that yeah. <laughs> sounds that yes, just from me hearing um, about all that, that you're doing, oh my gosh, that is a little bit of a spark of hope, a spark of yeah. hope for, <laughs> for my profession, for my career that I have chosen that right now I'm going to be honest and say it is hard to find a lot of light in mm -hmm. my profession that I used to be so proud of it's it's so yes please share any and everything that you would like <laughs> yeah um I, I I appreciate you saying that I the the spillover effects from the work that I've gotten to invest myself in the last year and some change it is endless and it's remarkable to me that one of the things that I've gotten to see is um, that some of the work that I've designed and built which I'll get to in just a second has led to resilience on the part of caregivers who were in moral distress and in compassion fatigue um, seeing that the, the way that I'm trying to redesign the conversations that we have with our patients to be around and centered on our patients um, is having an impact, not just on the people that we serve, but also the people doing the serving is really important to me. So um, in October of 2020, I was working with uh, the palliative care department at our institution and um, I was doing some re research on advanced care planning. And it's interesting because palliative care has been like, um, it was something that I was enamored with from the moment I became a, a nurse. Um, my very first experiences with, with nursing, I was the person who was always asking for the, the patients who were dying when most of the nurses on my floor were saying, I don't want that patient, give me somebody else. Um, mm -hmm. I was the one running toward the deaths, not away from the deaths and toward the crises, not away from the crises. And I mean, that really kind of fits a pattern. You could say that that's, <laughs> there's some psychological things 
that my yep. therapist and I may discuss at least once a week <laughs> that play mine, into those mine issues. Mine as well. Mine yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but you know, you look at most of us in the helping professions and we're all helping yep. ourselves just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Just a yep. little bit. We're, we're yeah. loving the, the darkness as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I was working in our palliative care department and I, as I was doing this research on advanced care planning, it was interesting to me because um, I began to connect with what it was that I had fallen in love with, with palliative care, the way that our, my first institution had done it. And when I was working with the, my previous palliative care department, I was in those moments of crisis, crisis with people. It was often in the space, it wasn't palliative care in the purest sense where somebody has a chronic disease and we're saying, hello, you've just gotten this chronic disease and we wanna walk with you over the course of these next few years. It was, um, your mother is 97 and she's on a ventilator and um, you're saying that Jesus would want her to fight the good fight and your mother's body is saying, ah, no, yeah, I just wanna go see Jesus. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. We're getting an we, entirely we need, different set of uh, they, answers yeah, from her body. <laughs> Yeah, her body is, yeah, so um, sitting in and with folks to move as quickly as possible to help families, you know, I told you earlier, I'm good at moving people, but -hmm. helping families and patients move within the time frames that um, bodies were speaking. Mm -hmm. And um, so as I was doing this research on advanced care planning in the previous, in my second palliative care program, I realized that what had really moved me the most was being in the conversation with people because a lot of times I was the first person to sit down and say, but what do you want? Right. You know, people have been in healthcare for years and years and years. They've had their congestive heart failure for 22 years. And now Mm. they can't walk to the bathroom and wipe their own butt without assistance, but nobody has said to them, what do you want? They've said, we can fix your potassium. Right. You know, we can, we can, um, we can get you a blood thinner for that that AFib. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, you will have to go and get labs drawn every week, but mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've got your blood thin so that you won't have a stroke from your AFib. Um, so I uh, encountered in my research at a, an institution in um, New Mexico that had built their own advanced care planning program. And I was like, what, <laughs> this is a thing. You can build a whole program around You it? can do this. <laughs> yeah. Right. But not, not in Oklahoma. It's, you know, we're, we're not exactly cutting edge in some things. So right. I started kind of doing a mental doodle of what would it look like if my institution were to build a, a advanced care planning program. And what I did not understand, I was doing this out of the purity and the naivete of my own heart. (laughs) So (laughs) one, I wasn't planning on sharing with anybody. And two, I didn't realize that CMS has come down and they're like, Hey guys, this has been best practice for like 30 years now. So if you don't start doing it, we're going to stop paying you. So um, (laughs) no idea when you started, right? (laughs) No, I was just like doing my little doodle in a vacuum and I shared it with a friend and he shared it with a VP and the VP was like, Oh my God. She's answered to every dream we've ever had. (laughs) Uh This VP comes from the case management world. So she knows what CMS is saying. And she is deeply tied to the ambulatory care management as well as the inpatient kind of care management and how all of these contracts and all of these money things that I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, do, 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 do
I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know what I'm doing. So we're going to stop right there so that I can tell our non-medical folks, CMS, Centers for Medicare, mm-hmm. Medicaid Services. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're good. And um, advanced care planning, we're going to get into exactly what she's talking about. So just hang on if you are like clueless. Also, you know how to message us. I will clarify. Go ahead. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel like I'm leaving people out and my job you're is not. to bring people in. Okay. Uh-uh. No, you're not. You're not. So she um, had a conversation with me. I didn't know who she was. Um, my friend said, hey, I want you to talk to this person um, about your advanced care planning ideas. And uh, so she sent me an invitation for a meeting. I kind of like strategically didn't look her up to find out what her role was because I just wanted to talk about what I'm passionate about without feeling pressure to be something or prove something. And so she got on like, yeah, I have no idea what you do, but I am really passionate about advanced care planning. And here's where I'll drop the hint on what advanced care planning is. Because to me, this is the moment where we invite people to tell us how they want their care to go. And honestly, we're leaving that moment till the end of life. And that moment should be happening at every healthcare encounter. Yes. So advanced care planning, as it's been Mm -hmm. kind of encapsulated, is the notion of tell me how you want us to take care of you as you're dying, which isn't a bad thing. Honestly, we should be asking that question and we're Mm -hmm. not. So like, if you think that we are, please pause and just start telling us because research shows our patients want us to start the conversation and research shows our doctors think our patients want to start the conversation. Yes. So nobody's right. starting nothing. So nobody's let me starting just say, anything. Yeah. Right. Everybody's yeah, waiting for the other person. So most well, and, of the conversation and, isn't being had. Exactly. Right. And in the conversation with my dad, it was like, what kinds of treatments would you want? If you, would you want hydration? Right. If you like, what if you just had a stroke or what if you just, had this happen, would you want that? Would you want a, would you want a tube feeding? Would you want a colostomy ever? What does that look like? What, what sort of treatment is the point at which you stop doing, I stop doing things for you and we start doing things to you. Right. Where, where is that line? Cause it's, it's, you're going to encounter health care at some point in your life. Everyone on this planet is is going to, you know, it's just sort of an inevitability. So to have conversations about what that care should look like, yes, it should be started. They want to be part of it. They need to know. We need to know. Right. Yep. So, so my, you were doodling um, I was talking up? to, yep. yeah, she turns out to be a VP in our organization and she takes my um, design to the executive leadership of our organization and they send it back to me and ask me to build it. That's the shortest version of that story. So mm-hmm. um, starting December of 2020, I built Oklahoma's first advanced care planning program. And over the course of the last year and some change, I've, um, I've written um, a unique advanced care planning script. Um, it's brilliant. Then- it's brilliant. sorry (laughs) it's 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 you know it's based off of guided interviewing motivational interviewing kind of techniques but it's also designed to be really radically flexible because um where we've engaged this is I've engaged this at the bedside of people in the ER because you know uh, my first pilot with the program was with COVID patients who had elevated mortality risks in our first major COVID surge so again back to December of 2020 
And this is when we were seeing like 70, 80 year olds coming in from nursing homes. They had high comorbidities and they had high mortality. Looking back, there was some between 45, 50% mortality on most of the patients that I was seeing at that time. We thought it was around 33%, but it was mm. much, much higher. Mm. So I was meeting with people at the bedside and, um, you know, one of the women I remember in particular, she was coherent and, um, the conversation that we had was your doctor says that you need to have a tube put in your throat so that a machine can breathe for you. And if we don't do that, you will die today. But the, the, the other side of that is that your doctor tells me that even if we do do that, you will likely still die. But today will be the day that you have to make that decision. And I wanna talk with you about what is important to you in your life. Because if, if you choose to have that tube placed in your throat, then we need to move because it works at its very best possible when we have the opportunity to sedate you before we do it. And she chose to die that day. She got to go and see her son who she had not seen in nine months. And she mm. got to die with him. Mm. She saw him for two hours before she died. So wow. I designed this script to be able to go into spaces that are like, I don't have time to go through 12 questions with a woman mm -hmm. whose respirations right. are 35 a minute. Right. Um, we have got to get to the heart of what makes you you. How do I love you right now? Mm -hmm. And we have a very imminent future. This isn't advanced care planning in the sense of how do we take care of you in time? This mm -hmm. is advanced care planning as in right I've now. Got to catch up. Yeah. yeah. We, we haven't mm -hmm. asked you. We should have asked you. You've yeah. This, this conversation should have been had a months. long time ago. Way yeah. back yeah. there. Yeah. Way yeah. back there. I mean, in the last nine months, you've been hospitalized twice. You've seen oncologists, you've seen your endocrinologist, you've seen your cardiologist, you've seen your nephrologist, you've seen all of the people that work with you at the nursing home, but you haven't seen this conversation. And we've today. never seen you. You've never yeah. been, you know, that's it. Right. You've seen all these people and none of us have seen you. Yeah. I was in the ER with our latest surge. Um, I was working, I was doing phlebotomy, which I'm, um, not remarkably good at. So <laughs> while I was sticking people, I was also like, you know, at first I was like, I'm just going to get these blood draws and I'm going to do my best to help these nurses out. And before you know it, I'm like, so <laughs> if your heart and breathing suddenly stopped, <laughs> how would you, you feel want? about? <laughs> yeah. I walked out of that ER. I got three out of the five IVs that I tried to start and I got four DNR DNIs. So, yeah, so. <laughs> we, we got, we got some conversations had, but I was talking to one of the gentlemen that was in the ER and I was actually, I was there to transport him up to the floor. I mean, I'm, I'm a director in our institution, but that's how bad this last surge was that we had chief nursing officers. We had executives putting on their scrubs going in and, and like, if our skills were rusty, then we were doing bedpans and that's what we had to do. And that's no, honestly, because that's our okay. staff, you know, no, but our staff was number one, we were already dwindled down because of people walking out and leaving the right the field and droves and then two they were all sick they were all yep. so sick oh so sick we were sick like nurses yeah. were sick yeah so it we was... all had to do what we had like clean rooms we had to do what we had to do yeah. yeah but then you know the business of making sure that we innovate and we get better at things that had to come to a halt 
you know, yeah. the people mm-hmm. who lead into spaces to make things better and more humane had to stop doing those kinds of wall busting moves to go and pick up bedpans and start IVs. But I went in to see this exactly. guy and take him up to the floor. And um, as I'm walking in, the provider's standing there and the provider's like, okay, so your infection is back. Um, you know, I know you just had that surgery for this infection. It is back. Uh, CT shows it's pretty bad. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep you overnight and then we're going to send you over to X uh, facility. And when you get there, the surgeon that did your last surgery will do surgery on you tomorrow. Okay. And the patient begins bawling and they said, I would rather die than do this again. And the doctor goes, no, no, no. This is, this is what you need to do. We're going to get you fixed up. This will take care of it. And the patient is sobbing. And the doctor's looking at me and I'm looking at the patient and at the doctor. And so I finally said, listen, um, it's really important that we listen to you right now. And uh, we do have some good ideas about things that we can do, Mm -hmm. but you have the luck to have the best person to talk to about these kinds of things, but also the worst driver. So it'll take us a long time to get up the floor. (laughs) And while we're going... You you can tell me what it is that is troubling your heart so much. And by the time we got to the floor, this patient had declared that he didn't want to be intubated. He didn't want to be resuscitated. And it wasn't um, exaggeration on his part to say, I would rather die. And this Mm -hmm. is an individual who was um, young in terms of healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. But he was saying you're doing this to me. This is not for me anymore. Yes. And and the exchange was so natural. If it wasn't for how hard I've worked to extract myself from that particular um, monologue that we call a dialogue in healthcare, I might not have noticed it. Yeah. No, no, no. This is what we need to do. We can fix you up here. We got you. We got you. That's mm-hmm. when we're doing healthcare to our patients, not with our patients. We aren't or journeying for our with patients. Them. That's right. Yeah. Right. We are applying interventions to their bodies and, you know, getting to the notion of consent. Advanced care planning is the beginning of the consent journey. You're it's right. Always, yes. Oh, gosh, yes. You're always so saying, right. Yeah. I don't do a thing to your body that I haven't explained what I'm going to do, why I'm going to do it, and that you have the option of saying, no, you're not going to do that. Advanced yep. care planning is just the way that we start the relationship, the conversation with our patients to get to the place where that is happening all the time. Well, and this so, boils down to the root core of our first do no harm, you know, mm-hmm. and yep. we need to be doing good things for our patients so that we can do well by them exactly. and, and the heart and soul of our ethics of consent, informed consent. This is what it looks like. This is what it might feel like to you. This is, these are the real risks of what, what are the percentage of like putting somebody on a a, a norm, you know, it's something like 70%. I think if you're intubated, you're not coming off of the vent anyway, let alone Mm -hmm. you tack on the things that happen. So yeah, that's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful continue. I'm sorry. That particular guy. Well, no, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying with the conversation with your dad, because Mm -hmm. that particular person, he, he in real life terms is two years older than me. And I, so, um, 
very early forties. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a very young person. And I go back and I'm talking to the ER physician and I'm expressing what this person has said. He said, he can't do that. Yes, he can. He's, yeah. Yeah. He can. He goes, why would he do that? He is he's so young years old. Oh. Yeah. And I said, um, I'm two years younger than him and I, um, am a DNR. He goes, what? And I said, here's the thing. I do not want to die. I have accepted that I will die. And I don't want the last moments of my life to be violent with a low return on what that violence can bring about. And here's the thing. Most of our patients and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of our doctors and nurses have been educated by Gray's Anatomy. And they think that CPR is wildly successful. It's not. It's not. If you want to survive CPR, the place to die is in the hospital. And if Mm -hmm. you die in a hospital, it has a 26% chance of surviving to leave the hospital. And by surviving, we aren't talking about how intact are you compared to what you, how you came in. Will you have a stroke during that time? Will you have a quality of life? Many people, not many, some people will walk out uninjured, but the, the reality is that CPR has one in four chances of working Mm -hmm. and it is exceptionally stressful and disruptive and destructive on most bodies. It's the exception to the rule, not the rule. And so in my case, I want you to do everything that you can to keep me from dying, but I have accepted that I will die. And that most of the time when a human body dies, it does not intend to undie. So don't <laughs> right. spend yep. the last of my life trying to undie me. It is gone. Right. It is it's done. Gone. Yes. Let, let it go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And let me, it, let me be unalive. Yeah. Please. And we, <laughs> We have forgotten in healthcare, I think, that when we have conversations about resuscitation, we are having conversations about clinical death. And I think that that has misled the way that we have the conversation and mm-hmm. we've over applied it. So, you know, in, when I was a younger nurse, a novice nurse, and honestly, well into my career, when we were talking about DNR, it was in these like reverential terms. She's a DNR. We won't intubate her. Yeah. We talked about it kind of like comfort care, like hospice, like, you know, pad oh. gently into the room. We have what reference this person is on their final moments. And, you know, I, it is a little bit of a, of a marketing trick on my part to tell people that I'm a DNR because I want them to look at my vibrancy and my life and my health and say, oh, DNR just means when you die, don't undie me. Right. Right. And as a yeah. society, don't realize me, don't attempt right? to realize me. <laughs> exactly. We say, would you like us to resuscitate you or not? No, 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 no. Bring the language back. Would you like us to attempt resuscitation? So one of the things that I've standardized in our script um, for our institution is mm-hmm. um, if your heart or breathing suddenly stop, and I've provided um, education cards. So because <laughs> sometimes nurses think that informed consent sounds like this. You don't want me to break your bones to bring you back to you. And our <laughs> patients are like, no, please don't break my don't bones. Don't do that. Here in the please hospital. don't. I just can't, yeah, just fix my pneumonia. Like, and what's the bone breakage? No. So mm-hmm. then we write them off as DNR. That's, that's not informed consent. That's called bullying. That's a mm-hmm. threat. Mm-hmm. So 
um, I'm trying to provide to our patients um, a way to encounter the reality, the grim facts of, um, of CPR without emotionally manipulating them. So we've created a card that tells them um, this is what CPR is. This is how the chest compressions work. This is why we intubate during CPR. This is why um, we use shocks and medications. And these are the injuries that happen. This is the percentage of survival. Um, and But there are sometimes side effects, but then some people are fine. And then we've listed the code statuses that we've written for our institution in layman's terms. So our patients can read the information or engage with a healthcare provider on the information and then literally just point and be like, that's the one, that's the one that sounds like me. And then we can, you know, create that in the record. Um, So I love it so much. So freaking wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I I'm, I'm kind of proud. You yes, should as be. what we've put together <laughs> as so we have as you should be as you should be yes as standardized for our caregivers because you know it it freaks people out to ask these questions and what i am trying to teach um oklahoma i my goal is to change oklahoma and i'm trying to teach oklahoma that these are not existential questions these are healthcare questions as a novice nurse the first time i had to go in and ask somebody what their poop looked like yes i blushed yes i was uncomfortable <laughs> And then I just had to do it. We've got to get to the place where we consider conversations about code mm-hmm. statuses and about advanced care planning as common as when was your last bowel movement? What's your address? What's your, your allergies? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. What, what medications do are you take? on? Yes. Yes. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you not? <laughs> do you have do you electricity? Have right. Yes. yes. Right. Has racism when, ever impacted your health care? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. When, right. when we begin to consider the entire human right, is when we will provide whole person care. So the script that we've built into our medical record allows us to standardize these questions and approach every human, but also bring them to a level. I've done my best to make the, the language accessible for just about any person. You know, I'd like both to rephrase to speaking. It. Yeah, speaking of that, I'd like to rephrase that. Has dis, have you ever encountered discrimination in your healthcare? That would cover racism, that would sexism, cover race, a lot of them. Every, a lot yeah. of them. Okay, I'm sorry, yes. I digress. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, yeah. I I think it's an important part of you know. There's there's one of the things about my work that I have to encounter is that um, advanced care planning is a known deficit in marginalized communities. It is you know? for so sure. If yes. I'm thinking about trying to provide equity, then I need to make sure that I am actively creating solutions for persons that are in marginalized communities. And there are ways that I've done that. Uh, Well, not that I've accomplished it, but ways that I'm trying to push myself um, to to get into spaces and, and have people in my inner circle that are pushing me to think differently. Exactly. It's... I think, so one of the things that's nice about doing it in a big institution, you know, um, is that um, I've been able to engage in policy writing and, Uh um, you know, I got to center the script into the middle of the uh, medical record. I also have gotten to hire people. So I have um, 
individuals that are multi at multiple hospitals within our system who go to bedsides and okay. ask people how um, they go through the script, they offer advanced directives and DNR documents. Um, and then also we have worked strategically to make sure that this is something that we offer to the community. So I do a couple of things. One, I, I work hard to make sure that the caregivers that work in our healthcare institution have access to our team. Okay. So like um, next Saturday is Healthcare Decisions Day. Right. And we are doing um, a big drive at the facility, one of our big facilities for our caregivers as well as the public to come in and either scan an existing uh, advanced care planning documents or create new advanced care planning documents okay. if they're advanced directive in their DNR. Mm -hmm. I also, um, I work hard. I'm a, I'm a media hound. Uh, it's a good thing that I love talking and mm -hmm. love microphones because I will get um, on the news. I will write blogs. I will do as much sharing as I can. Mm -hmm. um, so I use the fact that I'm comfortable in front of an audience to help get the message out. And we um, I've, I've taken and done special events for community, um, community centers and clubs around our metro area. I'm working on getting in. Um, I, honestly, to be clear, I, I am excited to try and go to one of our local mosques. I want to see if we can offer there. Um, I got to go to the Jewish Senior Federation and do oh, wow. an advanced care planning event for them. I also want to work with some of our historically Black church in our area because that would be we wonderful. know that yeah the black community has um, traditionally been underrepresented in advanced care yes. planning efforts uh, so working to make sure that this saturates everywhere that we are in proximity to souls um, and spreads out and then I've gotten it's it's kind of fun because I've gotten to work with our institutions lobbyist a little bit mm -hmm. to give my perspective on um some of the changes that have happened in Oklahoma. And uh, I feel like I got to be a part of representing what I would want for Oklahomans as we are trying to get an advanced, uh, sorry, a, a medical power of attorney back because Oklahoma accidentally did away with the medical power of attorney <laughs> in November. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it wasn't that uh, smart. My eyes yes. twitching. Um, yeah. Today, by the way, today is um, April 9th. Um, we're recording on Saturday, Ooh. April 9th, and a week from today, the date will be. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call my resident calendar back guy back in here. To, April 16th. Mm -hmm. April 16th. And so, um, while you were talking about that, I absolutely have to know. So, where can people come to to do this? If um, people were wanting to come up and do an advanced directive then they could come up to Integris Baptist Medical Center on Northwest Expressway. Okay. And they would have the opportunity to meet with one of my team or part of my program has also been training other people to facilitate the conversations that we've written. Mm -hmm. So we'll have other people who've been through the training courses that I got to write. I um, love this so much. I know. Yes, it's it's I know. been like I've gotten to unfold and live my ultimate clinical self this last yes. year building this that. program. Yeah. I got to write education. I got to write um, scripts and uh, it, materials for patients and for providers. And I've gotten to encounter, honestly, a lot of conflict, which is hard. I'm really, really good at conflict, but I also take it very deeply. 
And mm-hmm. so sometimes, you know, when you're living in a controversial space and anywhere that medicine is messy is going to mm-hmm. be controversial. If the question is, can we raise or lower the sodium? The answer is not controversial. If right. the question is, should we, because this individual's sodium could look better, but she's still going to have stage four metastatic cancer. <laughs> that's a messy place to live with. That yeah. is so, messy. That yeah. changes things yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so those kinds of controversies kind of went on me. Back to Healthcare Decisions Day. We'll have people there that can do um, advanced directives. And if somebody wishes it, they could get a DNR that day as well. Mm-hmm. Or as some other states call it, allow natural death. In Oklahoma, it's still called a do not resuscitate. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where we'll be, what we'll be doing. I am so we're excited. Also, I know we're going to get to be at, um, we're hoping to be this year at senior day at the fair, at the state fair oh, in Oklahoma. That would be awesome. So we'll, yeah, we were supposed to go last year and it was during a, um, a surge and, um, our institution and myself, I couldn't support going into a space where we weren't going to be able to provide protection for the people I would be taking with me like at Mm -hmm. at a mask level and a vaccination Mm -hmm. level so and of course I have a daughter with a um, a extremely rare genetic deletion disorder and we don't take chances with her health her health gives us enough curveballs anyway Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah you don't need to borrow trouble no Mm -hmm. (laughs) no Um, at some point I would love if you're willing for you to come in and talk about your your baby also because that's definitely not one in the textbooks because there's only right. two of her yeah. right in the world that you found three, or three there's three mm-hmm. three of her in the that are that have the same rare genetic disorder so mm-hmm. far hopefully you're you're still on the hunt for more so I am yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we 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 will have to talk about that at some point because yeah if you're willing and if you would like to Always. that doors that door is open so you. We we love um, sharing about our life um, with her. We feel like it's really important that we use the privileges that we've been given to help other folks who may be going through um, tragedy, trauma, struggles, disruptions in the shadows. Mm-hmm. We have um, a measure of comfort and flexibility that we don't want to be hoarders of. We want to take that and use that to um, live openly and give other people hope that they can make it through dark things and hard things and um, find joy. I mean, like if you look at our family's trajectory from where Lulu started, and I realize I'm not here to talk about Lulu today, but where she started and the misery that we went through for two years and then the joy that we live in now and the success that she has made of herself. We are mm-hmm. along for that journey. She is driving that car <laughs> as wildly as she wants to. And yes. we are just loving getting to be a part of her world. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's, you know, very, I, I think we both, again, those of us with big voices and, um, special babies we not that everybody's baby isn't special but those with special needs take on a different special type Mm -hmm. and to see things you know I do a lot of the same thing because um from advocating for Jordan's diagnosis through he couldn't talk through 
he couldn't dress himself through, he stays home by himself and cooks. I could be dead in here and you guys wouldn't know it until like he ran out of food, (laughs) you know, it, it, and it helps other people. And I know it does because they've told me, you know, like it gives me hope that maybe one day (laughs) my son, my daughter, my, my tragedy will have a rainbow. We'll have some sunshine. We'll have some light. Not that it's always sunshine, rainbows, lights, and unicorns, but yeah. um, there are so many hard, hard, hard things that we all have to go through. Um, and yours, I can't even, oof, yeah. Um, but No, me neither. Um, I, I have been through my own trauma struggles. Um, not not because I have a a special needs child or anything like that. I do, though, enjoy being the squeaky wheel and being a voice um, for Mm -hmm. those for those who uh, there were times where I couldn't I couldn't have my voice, couldn't use my voice Mm -hmm. um, for for a number of reasons. And so now I like being that I found I found the way back to use my voice to to get that switch turned back on and and it's unfortunate because now I don't know how to shut it off <laughs> and and I just I take pride I take pride in being that squeaky wheel mm-hmm. for those for those who may feel like their voice has been snuffed out for for whatever reason whether it be because of something they're going through or because of of someone uh, just whatever their situation or their struggle may be um i i just enjoy being the squeaky wheel and getting getting my using my voice to to maybe in some way shape or form help help someone else well and i yeah i to to bring some of this back around to um, advanced care planning, healthcare workers should never be <clears throat> the ashtray that snuffs out the patient's voices. We are supposed to be the spark that ignites their voice, that amplifies their voice, and it that is as, the voice when there's when they can't have when they don't have one, or they, they don't, don't know have how. The, when they don't have the words, we are supposed to be the bullhorn, just like what you did with the doctor and you went down and you said, no, they were yep. dead serious about wanting yes. to be right. dead yes. um, and advocating for those people. That's when we become heroes <laughs> is when exactly. we become their voices. When we become, yes. when we say, this is not right. This is this, we have to do the right thing and we yes. can do right by our patients and still do really great health care. Yes, <laughs> like yes. the best kind of healthcare yes. is when we write by them and with them and for mm-hmm. them, not because we're checking off a differential diagnosis and to them. So that's my soapbox. I'll get off it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm making a living off of that soapbox. So, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, a, it's absolutely. a good one. I've yeah. had, I've had some really uh, brilliant partners, you know, this, the success that I've had in this space has come because I've had um, not just centers for Medicare, Medicaid services saying, Hey folks, this is kind of like, it's time. Should start doing this pastime. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I've had um, providers, physicians, uh, physician leaders, nursing leaders, um, just, just, they listen and they've been itching 
for it anyway. And to have people that have opened doors and just smoothed paths. I mean, the things that I've accomplished in the last year are uh, like, sometimes I look back at where we started and all of the things that we've done. I was writing out a timeline for this proposal that I was presenting for the big conference. And it's like, well, crap, <laughs> we, we got some stuff done. We got mm-hmm. a lot of stuff done. This and it was a lot incredible. of work. So, it felt yeah, like it. <laughs> maybe that's why I'm tired. It I might guess. Be. Right. <laughs> but I've had so many wonderful partners stepping into the space and saying, yeah, 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 we got to do this. It was really mm-hmm. interesting because I, I was, uh, a friend of mine sent me a link to a free webinar and it was this doctor who's kind of big in the world of advanced care planning. He was like, you know, way woohoo, advanced care planning uh-huh. for a long time. And he, um, he's got this uh, presentation he's doing these days about is ACP dead? <laughs> And I was like, holy crap. We've killed that? We've killed advanced care planning? So I, I, you know, first I was like, maybe it's just the hook that he's using. And he's like, no, really, it's not dead. I get on and he's like, no, it's dead. And he's he's using research to demonstrate that over the 27-ish years that ACP has been a thing, because there's an, you know, respecting choices is the organization. It's like the grandfather of advanced care planning. They've perfected it. Mm -hmm. If you look at the numbers of people in the community around Gunderson, Wisconsin, that have advanced care planning documents, it's like, it's, it's miraculous how far they've taken it. So he's, but he's saying that ACP doesn't work because people are still dying goal discordant deaths. In other words, Somebody took the time emotionally to sit down, fill out the documents. We put the documents somewhere and people die and they don't die the way the documents said they wanted to die. And that is probably true because Mm -hmm. we have in the research, if you look at the reason, the way that, and this is my whole counter argument, I hope I meet him someday and I want to convince him to my side. My (laughs) counter argument is that all of these research studies have been about ACP as an intervention. So I ask you once, how do you want things to go? Maybe we create a document based off of that. And thank you, sir, or madam. What I am desperately working to innovate and strategize is that advanced care planning is a rolling replicable conversation that surfaces every time you surface. You go to your doctor's office and your doctor's office like, hey, I see your script because this advanced care planning script that we've built is visible exactly the same in the ambulatory setting as it is in the hospital setting. So if you're at your PCP or your cardiologist's office and you were in the hospital three weeks ago and one of my advanced care planning facilitators went through the script with you, your cardiologist will see all of your answers in narrative form that you gave. And one of the things that we're also working on is to be able to push some of these questions out to our patients through our portals. So our patients could engage with it as a questionnaire on their own time. Now, some of those questions I'm going to withhold because those are questions about code status. And I really want those to happen in the setting of a clinician, whether it's a so nurse that they or can a ask physician. Those questions. Those questions. Some of right. it may be unclear. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. The questions about like, what is quality of life to you? What have you learned by watching your loved ones go through healthcare experiences? Do you have spiritual or cultural practices that give you strength or maybe even tell you what medical decisions you can and cannot make? Those kinds of questions to allow our patients to entrust them as the adults in their lives <laughs> to encounter yes. that information, right? Like what? Right. <laughs> They're yes. grown up. Yes. They can make decisions. What? Them? We don't know better. <laughs> so, 
making this something that is visible and replicable and it's centered in the in the very heart of the medical record so that every person who's engaging with this individual has the same access to um, ask the same questions or even just go over it. It says here, last time that you were seen, somebody asked you this question, you said that quality of life meant, this actually happened. Um, I, one of our, um, one of my facilitators saw a patient on one of our hospital wings and I was talking to the manager. Um, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks after this conversation takes place and the manager's like, I've been reading those advanced care planning scripts that your your caregivers are doing it's like <laughs> great glad to know you're reading a note that's fantastic that's amazing fantastic. Wow. yeah look wow. at you you're a good what? manager wtf <laughs> right because yes i was reading this one on this one lady and she i was reading the quality of life it just blew me away she said that quality of life to her was to be able to clean her house and cook in her own kitchen it's like so simple and I was like I know right it's amazing that every individual has a different answer but let me ask you this she ever gonna be able to do those things again no 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 she's that no that those days are gone it's like all right where's she discharging to oh she's going to a skilled nursing facility for what did you guys during discharge planning did you discuss what her version of quality of life is and that she will not be able to do that again. And so who will be the one to go and have the loving conversation with her? You've told us what quality of life means to you. And even if you go to a skilled nursing facility, there's not a lot of reason to believe that we can get your body back to the space where it can do mm-hmm. what gives you meaning. And that's hard to talk about, but how can we sit together and learn What's next for you if we know we can't get you to that? And then this goes to is, and I don't want people to, to like hear this and think that I'm saying she is a waste. She is not. It's, no, no, it's no, no, not no. that at all. It's that then going to skilled because skilled facility doesn't mean like where Tanja works, she has a skilled unit. Um, and so going there to get intensive PT and OT and speech therapy and all these things is to get you to what end. And there's a lot of expense that goes into having someone go there and then somebody yeah. else gets billed for that. And if it's yeah. not a realistic attainable goal or anything, right. what are we doing to What her? are we doing that We're for? Putting her through a grand act of theater to no right. end. That's exactly right. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. In, in and in lieu of having a conversation with her about realistically, this is where you are in your healthcare journey. Here's, I explain advanced care planning this way. You, dear patient, are the expert on who you are. I am the expert on the medical things happening around you. Mm-hmm. So what I do, I, I, that does not mean that I shirk my medical expertise when physicians all the time are like, I can't tell that patient they're dying. Yep. Oh, oh, what? who will if Shlicha? not you? Yeah, yeah. Right. this is this is absolutely scoped to you, my sir, because I cannot prognosticate, whereas you can. So right. if we will have our medically expert conversation with the patient about this is what we know, you have cancer and here's a, these are the options. You can treat it. And if you treat, that will mean this. And this has these side effects. Or you can do a middle path where we do some treatments, see if it works and then make more plans. Or you can say, you don't want to do those things. 
not doing is always an option our patients have. We leave it off. We leave it off until they're three days from death. And then we're like, oh, hey, this isn't working. You go and die. How about some hospice for the next three days? Right. It does no good if they would have done no good six months before. Right. How many would times have, been... have we said that, Audra? Yes. Oh, yeah. I've been saying it and for 20 years. I want to be clear. Yeah. I am not trying to bash on our providers because they have been pushed into an untenable mm-hmm. position. Well, right. and their, ask their to... training teaches them to differentially diagnose people. This is the list of problems and ailments. These are the cures for those things. They want to help people, but we're set up in the, they're yes, set up in the exactly. same faulty system up. that yes. we are set up in. Oh, it's, absolutely. Yes. It's all right. of us. We are all in the same pitfalls. So right. yes. because I, they've I been set up to doctor and how can they doctor if our patient makes those choices just to not, not go those routes right? right. to choose their so, own. I think that the best of advanced care planning is where I don't abandon my clinical expertise in favor of your perspective, but you do not abandon your personal expertise in yourself to my judgment based on my clinical expertise. And so it takes truth and transparency on both parts to walk in and say, here's the hard truth that I know about your medical condition. And you say, this is what I know about who I am, what I value and what's important to me. And we walk together shared decision-making through what both of these components mean right? and what is, what is attainable. Mm -hmm. And we have to, the thing is, it can't be a one and done. This has to be able to pivot with the patient because like, you know, people get frustrated all the time. People are like, um, I want to be DNR. And then tomorrow they're like, Nope, I want to be full code. And we have got to have the agility to move in that space with them. And and allow them to make that choice to bounce Now, how does this though, you know, we have, and it's uh, for this program to, for you said for if, uh, if let's say me, if I go to the ER and one of your uh, people, team, team, thank you. Thank you. Audra knows I'm never politically correct ever. (laughs) Um, So a member of your team, they have this conversation with me, but let's say that all of my doctors are not through the same, all, they're not all through St. Anthony's. Let's say some of my doctors are at St. Anthony's, but I also see a couple of specialists at OU. How can, is that conversation? Yes, it's in my medical chart. I'm assuming, and I, oh, I don't like that word because I've lived it too many times. I'm assuming that all of my doctors through St. Anthony's, that's going to come up and they're going to see my answers that I had that conversation. But what about my specialists that aren't in that same group? Will that, how does that conversation follow me? to those specialists that are in now in a different group. From institution to institution to institution yes, because, across the board. Because as, as a nurse and being, I'm gonna use my experience as a unit manager, as a director of nursing, a lot of times patients have doctors that are in different groups. And one of the big components that I've worked so hard is to be that middle person to make sure that when my patient comes from this doctor, I now fax everything to Mm -hmm. each, to each doctor they have so that each doctor has 
all of that same information. How does this, <laughs> whether or not they read it, <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry, exactly. <laughs> they no, have access exactly. to it, they have access but, to it, <laughs> but I make sure that I do what I do the way I do it to make sure that I've done my due diligence to make sure that that information was at least there for each and every person. So how, how, how do we get that to every doctor they see? Does that make sense? Oh, it totally does. And it's, it's a huge problem because in healthcare, we've asked our patients to be the unknowing burden carriers for their mm -hmm. own business. So right. we, we have this like massive paternalistic, like we got you babe kind of attitude, you right. know, like we'll do the thinking for you. We'll do the working for you. We'll get you I'm better. Your we'll get you home. Right. right. And then we forget to tell them, but you know, you, you, you can one advocate for yourself. And two, we aren't going to remember your address from the time you get to the front door from the mm -hmm. front door to the room. Um, I'm, so not gonna gonna right. I'm, I'm not going to remember it. Seventy-two times. I even forgot your name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go so ahead. We we have got to um, we've got to be transparent with our patients about the work that they have to do. Okay. If you're invested okay. in your own voice, then this is how you need to carry it with you. Like, gotcha. Take your file and mm -hmm. scan it in with every physician that you have that's at a different facility. Now, one of the things that <laughs> the electronic medical record is like. We've already it's, discussed this yeah. ad nauseum. They know um, it's garbage. Sure. Epic sucks. We hate it. It's not made yeah. in design for us ever. I think last time, didn't we talk about this last time that like certain ones are kind of good, but mm -hmm. then they suck at this. So yeah, we've right. beaten, yeah. we've beaten this drum. If they're listening, they know. <laughs> yeah. So making sure like the one nice thing about, I, I won't use names, but any name you mentioned mm -hmm. being so large, is that um, ideally where we're headed? And I've, I've read documents that this is supposed to be happening. If you <laughs> scan in your advanced directive at one institution in the Metro that has that electronic medical record, it should mm -hmm. be viewable by a different institution that has that electronic gotcha. record. Electronic. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. They should. But, but, but the problem is, is where to find them because they file, because I do, <laughs> I do, I do coding now I'm an indoor nurse and I do coding. Um, and so one of the things that I have noticed is I can access, um, outdoor outside information from one institution to another, to another, um, and it's scanned into different places and different places. So right. that's a foundational issue with, yes. The, the any medical yeah. record system, any yeah. medical medical record system, be it the largest in the country or the smallest that you use, there's no uniform. We're really peeling back the curtain today. They're going to see Oz in all its glory. Um, that there's no uniform standardized place where they put these. When they come into these places, they ask them and they're like, where do you want it? Oh, on the thumbnail, where do you want it? Oh, in media, where do you want it? Right. Oh, down. We'll add a tab and then you have to add the tab every time. You just yeah. crazy. Um, so follow-up question, do you have the ability to print this information off so that they can carry it with them? Um, not yet. I'm working on it. Okay. So because we built our script in-house, we didn't take it to the the primary organization that built our, our medical record. We didn't take it to them and ask them to build it because it would have been time. Like I'd still be waiting. Yes. You would be right. waiting. Still. Um, you yes. would still but be waiting. As I've said, I'm getting to share about this possibly nationally. So Which that so may help. Yeah. 
Yeah. So um, there are some functionalities functionalities that we don't have, such as being able to print it. And there are some elegances to the the way that this works in the system that mm-hmm. I'm hoping if we get it built by the major corporation that we'll be able to see some like little tricks and things that make it easier for the end user. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that's right also, now we can't print it. But that's also why it is important for us all. Like when I tell my patients, you are the boss. Yeah, your doctor may say that you need to take this pill or this bite, whatever it is, even your Lasix, you are the boss over your own care. You have the right, you have the right to refuse any care you want. That is your right. Be the boss over your own care. Be your, use your voice. Don't be afraid. No matter, yes, we want you to have faith in your medical practitioners, but that doesn't mean that that takes your voice away and we're right. fallible we're fallible i mean that's the whole we're not thing. perfect that is true um so do they have the ability to have a copy of it because you said scan it in at every institution so do you provide them a copy or how does this work mm. yeah well the advanced directive always needs the originals of the advanced mm-hmm. directive and the dnrs always need to go back to the patient gotcha when, okay. when we take them through our internal script, um, sometimes we'll just like do a plain old copy and paste to a Word document because we'll have, mm-hmm. I've had a, a trucker from like Tennessee mm-hmm. ended up in one of our local facilities and he's like, I want to take this back to my wife. And I was like, you got it, bud. <laughs> you got it. We get that got for it. you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm glad you're invested. It makes me feel good. You know? Exactly. Right. Um, well, we have gone for quite some time and it is bedtime. So, um, man, time flies when you're having fun. (laughs) Yes. Jessica, thank you so very, my gosh, Jessica, very very much. Yes. Now you know why I love her. Now, you know, see, see? yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, so I'm going to shift gears for us. Um, and Tonja, what are you listening to? Um, I am listening to my youngest grandson's read to me. It is so fun. Yeah. What are they, what are they reading? Um, oh my gosh. They've read, uh, oh my gosh. We just read it tonight. Hang on. I've got to grab it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, yes, because we got new books. Oh, there's Bonnie on the table. Do you see her cat up there? Um, (laughs) Yes, poor Bonnie. She is the queen of the house. Uh, I got her and her brother Clyde uh, when they were babies. And Bonnie is like, she's chunky. She's fluffy. (laughs) Fluffy. She's very, very fluffy. And we let we are just in awe of that because we're amazed that she survived. Um, (laughs) She was very, very ill when we uh, when we got her. Um, but for whatever reason, I cannot keep her off the flipping freaking table. Um, <laughs> that is her throne and she will knock. If you leave something on there, I can't even have a centerpiece because she ends up pushing it off. So it's very feline. Read, very feline. Yes. We read my wild first day of school. Oh, how for, fun. And we have read this for like the 50th time (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's fantastic and it's accompanied by bello the cello (laughs) um and this author 
Dennis Mathis. He was at their Matthews. Matthews sorry. Um, uh, dang, I can't read backwards very well. You can't. Can it's okay. No. Um, he was actually uh, at their school not that long ago to tell, you know, about his books. So we've read them a few times. Mm-hmm. Very good. Super cute. Yes, but That's that is good. something that is just one of those ah uh, moments for me because no matter how how disruptive or chaotic our day has been, the minute we sit down to read, the whole world changes. And it I'm telling just, you the the most brilliant line in a movie. I'm sorry, uh, go ahead. Um, no, was on you've got mail and and Meg Ryan uh-huh. says you know that nothing is quite like reading a book when you're a child and how much it just is so magical it is the most magical hour of of the of the day is that like, I I enjoy that almost I actually enjoy that almost as much as breastfeeding you know, I mean, just it's for a those bond. moments, yeah. for that, for that moment, and those those memories, and I think that it, it's it's a reminder that even for a little bit, my day gets gets to slow down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's joyful. So, what are you listening to? Um, I got caught up on True Crime Garage. Um, oh my gosh it's about time Holy i know cow. the boys over at tcp Dang. are like it's about captain and the colonel like uh, uh-huh. come, on, come on um so i got finished with that um and i also am still listening to the crime of the century once i got to the trial things have slowed down for me on that one yeah um and then i listened to fatty stokes um, which is one of the people that listens to tell him Steve Dave, um, the, one of the female listeners, one of the 13 percenters, as we used to be the OG, tell him Steve Dave town doll girls, her husband mm-hmm. who used to always be, he used to be, he used to always be, what am I talking about? He used to be, that's the wine. He used to be in, um, grunge bands back in the nineties. He's played with some people you may know. Um, and so <laughs> he uh, he has done a podcast called Fatty Stokes. It comes out rarely. Um, but our good friend, Chris Lodondo, who has graced his presence on this show, was on, uh, I think it was last week. At least it, I'm pretty sure it was last week because that's when I listened to it. Um, and they did a grunge bromance episode Ooh. one where they talked about old grunge bands reviewed the records and I'm not a huge grunge fan um but I love music in general anyway Me too. and I love listening to people talk about what they love and these two mm-hmm. guys love it and it makes <laughs> me love it <laughs> gotcha um, yes so it was a really really fun listen and people should go check it out and um, it's called I did I wrote it down so I can because you know how I am about my memory and have to write yeah. stuff and down. of course you know chris so in your yes, head you can course. actually see him in your mind talking mm-hmm. so right it makes thing. it easier yeah yes so jessica what are you listening to would you like to tell us or skip it your choice no i'll i'll dig um so i i have to admit podcasts i don't listen to a whole lot which is funny because i've done a few uh, yes interviewed on a few 
but I, um, I, I, Brandy Carlisle, um, right. as far as music goes, yeah, Brandy yes. Carlisle is, uh, she makes it through my rotation several times a day. And then I was listening to NPR, which I guess you oh, I love it. listen to NPR all the time. But I there was it. this um, lady who was nominated for the Grammys. Her name is Arush Aftab. And um, she sings Sufi music. It's like, I, I listened on um, the interview and I just immediately went and added her to my Spotify. So um, oh. I got to have a few hours listening to her last night while I was working on a puzzle. Those are nice. the things I think that I'm oh. putting in between my ears. I days. love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Come. you. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, um, please. I would love to have you back on. Absolutely. Anytime. So mm -hmm. good night. Thank you. Good Thanks, night. And if you guys want to, please, please go check her out. Where can they find you on Instagram or Facebook or do um, you want to give I'm, that out? Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. I, I everything I share I share it to be shared I'm very intentional with being open that way so I'm Jessica Zahn Z-A-N uh, there's no H in that and I am on Instagram I don't know just type in Jessica Zahn I think that'll work and then also I'm on Facebook I used to write at a blog but it's pretty asleep these days um, I so will those are the two primary ways to see what I write yes and I will tag you on all of our promo stuff this week yes. so people can find you whoop, whoop. Yes. And go to, if you're in Oklahoma city and, and next week, Saturday, a week from, uh, yesterday, cause this is going to drop tomorrow, which will be the 10th. Um, please go to Integris. Uh, what yes. time is that going to happen? The oh, right. 10 to two on April the okay. 16th. And here's one last little reason to do it this way. When somebody dropped the Oklahoma advanced directive, which is the only document that's legally an advanced directive in Oklahoma because of the way that our statutes are written, which is kind of quirky about Oklahoma, mm -hmm. no surprise there. Um, somebody put it through a literacy, literacy reader and the thing clocked in at a grade 13.5. And of course that is not the average literacy rate of any room of anywhere any in the room. country, no. let alone Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So what I've done is one of the other things I've designed is something I call the advanced directive multiple choice. So I take that document, which is eight pages long, and I have narrowed it down to one page and it's written like a multiple choice question. So the first question is, imagine that you have been told that you have less than six months to live and you are no longer able to communicate your medical decisions. If you were in that condition, would you want doctors to do everything they could to prolong your life, including machines like ECMO and ventilator CPR and a feeding tube for water and food? Or would you say, I can't talk, I'm dying, don't do the machines or the CPR, but I do want the feeding tube or I can't talk, I'm dying, don't do any of it, allow a natural death. Mm. And so essentially we walk our patients through contextualizing this massive document because people confront it and they're like, I'm signing my life away. I don't right. want to sign my life away. I don't want to you do are that. not, you are not signing your life away. This document has a very particular narrow meaning for three very particular narrow conditions that people may find themselves in. And even then it's not operative until that person has lost their own voice. So I'm, I'm really good, good at helping people boil the document down to its meaning and its purpose. So if you want somebody to help you with that, come see me. 
So I will say this right now, Bezrat Hashem, uh, I will be there because I'm having surgery in May and I want to take my little papers with me when I yes. go. So yes. um, I will see you next Saturday. If you will be there the whole time. I will. Then I will have yeah, your but... neck. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'll take it. There you go. All right. Maybe okay. we'll get to meet in person. I Yay! would love it. Yes. Okay. Thank yes. you so, Thank so you much. Thank you again. We'll see you guys in the Thank stacks next week. Okay. All right. Yay. Yay. Thank that you. was good. Yes. So good. Thank Sorry. You. I to don't keep know you if I want to take a minute to thank you for listening, sharing, and engaging with us, subscribing, and following our social media pages. Your feedback is invaluable to us. It helps us to know the stories and chapters to seek out. It helps to make us better. And we can't tell you how much that means to us. You can find links to all of our social media pages and everywhere we can be streamed on our Flow page. That's www.flow.page slash not in the textbooks podcast. If you have a second, please go to Apple Podcasts to rate and review us. Five star, please. It really does help out the show. Remember, we're in the middle of figuring out the crazy stories of our lives. So create a little kindness. Show some love and compassion. And if you can't because your chapter is just too hard right now, we're here for you and we're rooting for you. So just, just keep going. going. We hope to see you back here in the stacks digging up some stories and chapters for next week.